To support our work at the Izzy and Murtada Picture Show and the work of other independent creators like us, sign up to listen to the podcast on Nebula. Nebula is the creator-owned streaming platform that hosts great videos and podcasts like the one you're listening to now. Sign up today at nebula.tv slash picture show and you will get access to this podcast plus other great podcasts and videos. Sign up for Nebula and help support independent media creators. That's nebula.tv slash picture show. Hi, I'm Mortada. And I'm Izzy. And welcome to the Izzy and Mortada Picture Show. Hi, Izzy. We are almost in November. I had to dig up my hats yesterday because as a bold man, I need all the covering I um, when I go out these days. It's getting cold, but it also means it's the best movie season of the year. Um, we talked about Scorsese last week, and this week we're talking about someone else. Miss Coppola, Miss Sophia. That's right. Yes. Um, th- and thank God it's hat season because summer is truly the worst season in New York. Um, and I'm happy that it's done, not only because it's no longer sweaty outside, but also because, yes, we get to talk about films like Priscilla. Yes. Um, you saw it for the first time, correct, at New York Film Festival? Yes. Sitting right next yes. to me. Yes, we're sitting right next to each other. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> um my first impression, yeah, I think we talked about it a little bit in our preview or post view of um postscript of New York Film Festival. Well, but you tell me you tell me like general thoughts about Sofia Coppola, like going into the movie. And um, then yeah, we'll go from there. Well, I think Sofia Coppola, like everybody says, does this one thing very good, which is she tells the story of isolated young women. Um, If you look at her movie, that's basically the, you know, quote unquote plot of every film she has made. Um, Mm -hmm. And basically these women can be anywhere from teenage, like in somewhere and the beguiled to like middle age, also the beguiled. Um, But most of them are teenage to 20s. Yeah. Um, except that movie with um, Bill Murray and um, On the Rocks. On the Rocks, yeah. Which I recently rewatched. Yes, that was the we only one that's kind it. of, kind of like, hmm. She's making a movie about a grown-up woman, somebody with kids. Um, which and I guess coincidentally is... is probably her worst movie. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um. So I like some of her films. I. I had to do a a podcast about Lost in Translation a couple of years ago now. And I was just surprised by how just beautifully shot that movie is and how funny it is. Um, There were a lot of funny things that I don't remember. And it's a movie that, you know, talks, tells you a really good story about isolation. I know some of the cultural things didn't um, age well um, a little bit in that movie, kind of like how they react to Japanese people, how Japanese people are not really in the film set in Tokyo, all these things, um, which sort of fits, this sort of brings us to the next thing. There were no Black people in The Beguiled, which is a movie about the American Civil War. Um, Mm -hmm. And she is somebody who just knows this one thing, the experiences of young women of privilege, and she knows that thing very well. 
Um, and that's, you know, what I'm, I, my favorite movie is about the most young woman in privilege ever in history, Marie Antoinette. That's my favorite. And she really knows knew how to tell that story. Um, and I think Priscilla is just another one of those stories. It's a privileged young woman, isolated and sort of trying to break free and whether whether or not she wants to break free because some of her um, protagonists don't really want to break free. <laughs> yes, that's fair. So um, Priscilla, like you said, it kind of like sets up um, the plot of it, I think, falls exactly into what you were just talking about which is like it's based on the memoir by priscilla presley elvis and me which is essentially just a book of little stories about how she met elvis and what it was like living with elvis up until their divorce in 1971 or two um this book came out in the 80s like after he died and so in many ways, like it is the perfect subject matter for Sofia Coppola. Like I, she was someone who like, I am really interested in her as a filmmaker and her films like interest me less just because like films about young girls coming of age have never been a huge like interest for me. I don't know if that makes me like strange <laughs> but mm. like i just have never really cared about them that much but there are I'm just like a asking... lot of movies about young people in general and sometimes it's just like it's the same yeah. old story young people are inherently not that interesting because they haven't lived yet well i think she makes it interesting i think she makes it whimsical in a way that like when she talks about something she talks about a lot and she's doing it a lot now because i think it relates to priscilla is she talks about how the film rumblefish her father's film Mm. um appealed to her as a young person because it was the first time she saw a a movie about teenagers that was done artistically like it wasn't done like a 16 candles or kind of Mm -hmm. like just fun and the or porkies (laughs) yeah like the filmmaking aspect is aspect is sort of like secondary to kind of just like appealing Mm -hmm. to young people yeah and so I appreciate that she sort of like picked up where that I haven't seen Runblefish, but where that alleg- allegedly leaves off. Though mm-hmm. so I do like that a lot. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know. I just don't have never related to that subject matter, but the idea of it is really interesting to me. So I kind mm-hmm. of wanted to, before going into Priscilla, um, I rewatched, I think most of her films, except for, I didn't rewatch Lost in Translation. I didn't rewatch The Beguiled. Um, but I found like doing that made Priscilla feel simultaneously exciting and frustrating because mm-hmm. it's kind of like when I think it's exciting to see kind of an auteurish filmmaker doing the thing that they do best. And I think Priscilla is kind of a lot of that. Mm-hmm. But then it's also frustrating when they kind of make the same, not mistakes, because, you know, nothing's really a mistake, but like do the same things that you found frustrating in other films mm-hmm. are uh, repeated again as well. And so you're just yeah. kind of like, uh, well, Sophia Coppola is Sophia Coppoling. <laughs> so tell me what were the things that excited you about sort of re-looking at all her 
her movies and the so-called sort of opportunities maybe that you you saw her repeat and repeat yeah well sort of related to what I was saying earlier like the the aesthetic romanticism that she gives to young people and kind of how she lets them feel like they're dreaming and like they're what's happening to them even though it's really small it's like a crush or you know they want to make out for the first time or something like that it's Mm -hmm. treated with respect like she wants you to feel like that's a big deal because it is a big deal to 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 teenagers when that happens to them and they go through all of those things so i like how for example like in the beginning of priscilla she talked she is kind of like walking through her her high school and you can tell like that's she's thinking about elvis and that's like the only thing she cares about she wants to go party with him so bad and like you really do feel like you're in this girl's life there it's more complicated than that obviously in the film because there's that whole age element that is very present Mm -hmm. but i think she does a good job of like putting you in her shoes and she does that really well with a lot of her films like marie antoinette is obviously very much like that I think what I found find frustrating is like that she isn't kind of able to take the next step. It's like after you make that coming of age point, the Mm -hmm. film kind of like loses its steam in almost like all of her films Mm. that kind of address that. So it's sort of like, you know, you get with Elvis and you move into uh, Graceland and life kind of continues, but there's no like, there's no next evolution or if there Mm -hmm. is it's kind of minimized so it's like i think adulthood is like a problem for her to like figure out how to how to display that with the same reverence that she gives teenagers yeah which is which i thought maybe we were gonna get something different from her after on the rocks which was entirely not successful because it was about an adult i think so it proves the point you were just making but she is entering her 50s and people don't change and filmmakers keep doing the same stories even the ones we love um and that's okay because we as people also don't change and we're always obsessed with the same things so i wondered for a little bit if she was gonna give us something different but you're right she doesn't she gives us exactly what she's obsessed with yeah and it's kind of like um i think it's interesting what she does uh this is something so i wrote about priscilla for filmmaker magazine like online and this is something that the editor and I were talking about because we weren't sure how to like uh, include this in a way that didn't feel like horribly psychoanalytic. But it's kind of like she in these two biopics, Marie Antoinette and Priscilla, mm-hmm. the historical weight of that person is kind of like secondary. It's almost like incidental that it is a biopic about these two women because she's not using them to talk about like oh, this is what fame does to like celebrity couples. Or this is like why Marie Antoinette is reflective of 18th century politics or anything like that. Mm -hmm. What it is, is just like, she's using these two very famous women to talk about like these universal questions of girlhood and also like things that probably she would have experienced as the daughter of a very famous man like all these girls lives like all revolve around 
looming figures mm-hmm. in history, you know? Yeah, totally. And so it's kind of like, in that sense, I think it's good because I think they make them more exciting biopics sometimes in a way, but it's also mm. bad because it's kind of like, they're they're important for a reason beyond mm-hmm. the fact that they're teen girls. <laughs> yeah, yes, yes. So you do kind of like lose that. Yeah. I mean, I found Priscilla, like, like I said, I don't always like her films. And the last few I haven't liked at all on The Rocks or The Beguiled. Um, but I found I like this more than those. And I yeah. thought, um, like you said, it started really well. And we were really into the interiority of this woman, this young girl. I think she was 14, 15 when the film starts. Um, and sort of understood what she is and what the isolation she's feeling because she's in another country. Her dad is in the army in Germany and sort of like that door that opens when she meets Elvis Presley and what that means and how determined it makes her to be in his life. Like, you know, the small things that she does, she's doing huge fights for somebody who's 15, like making her parents let her go live in Graceland as a 15-year-old or a 16-year-old. Like, that's huge to actually be able to convince that. And it needs, like, you know, fortitude and passion. And I think the film really shows you that, all of that. But also in a very, like, the understated Coppola way. Like, it's just, like, it's very understated. And the performance itself is very, very understated, which is kind of what she asks of her actors. Like, nobody ever emotes um big time or does anything big um they just sort of like exist in front of the camera and then the way that she frames them kind of tells you their story yeah she i don't think she's ever given anyone a monologue (laughs) (laughs) no which is really interesting um also okay so when i was writing this thing i read a lot of priscilla's book Mm. so i kind of got a sense of like how she adapted it and i would say like 90 percent of the dialogue is lifted directly from the book Mm. and it was interesting because a lot of the places where i was like wow i wish that would have been like built out more were places where like there just wasn't dialogue in the book do you know what i mean like (laughs) give me an example of that so um So in the film, there's like the end of her time with Elvis is kind of depicted in a montage where she Mm -hmm. it's like she moves to L.A. and is kind of living by herself at that point. And she starts taking karate. So you see her like briefly taking in a lesson, a karate lesson. And then she's briefly at dinner with a bunch of friends, including her karate instructor. Mm -hmm. So like in the film, it's kind of implied Made, like there's something going on there or like she's made friends or whatever mm-hmm. like these she finds her next boyfriend her own right? friends yeah. no, they had an affair in real life yeah and Priscilla talks about this in the book and she was like you know this man like introduced me to all of his friends and he like took me to see all of these different movies that I hadn't seen before and he you know like opened up this whole like I went to tournaments with him and like met all these new people and like karate becomes this huge part of her life but she just Mm. kind of describes it like straight up like she just tells exactly kind of what he did and the role he played in her life but there isn't a scene that she writes like Mm. there isn't they don't have a conversation in the book the way that she does with Elvis so it's like so part of me is like 
did you just like i want to know how that part was thought about in the adaptation mm-hmm. you know what i mean where it's like yeah. there isn't something to like lift directly but it like also doesn't really go in depth into what priscilla talks about in the book so i'm like was priscilla involved did she not want that aspect highlighted mm, like yeah. did she just not feel comfortable like putting words in her mouth i don't know there's a a bunch of questions I would have about it. Yeah, I mean, that's always the thing when you do a sort of authorized biography or authorized biopic in that you have to make sure you don't offend the subject who you need to come out and say the movie's great and go to all the press events with you. Um, Yeah. so, So, but I agree that that would have made the ending of Priscilla, especially the last half hour, so much more interesting than what it is because it's kind of a, a whimper, she leaves it and yes. then she leaves him and then I will always love you plays in the background. <laughs> I'm just like, come on. Like we all love Dolly Parton, but really? I know. Um... It's really funny. It's so corny. Yeah. But I think she means it like really sincerely. Because yes, that's what's that, funny about that... Priscilla too, is like Priscilla still like adamantly says that she loves this man, which I'm I'm like, why? But <laughs> okay. Yeah. Good yes. Morning. And I mean, it, the things that the movie's getting praise for is that people have called it that it's showing Elvis's dark side and I think you and I talked about this after we watched the movie that it's not that dark like okay he was kind of like what are the the bad things he did he fell in love with an underage girl but actually didn't sleep with her and then he sort of saw her as a Madonna and so after she gave him a child he didn't want to sleep with her and he was controlling and maybe put her in a gilded prison gilded cage and not gave her pills gave her pills things like that emotionally manipulative yeah and those are all bad things I'm not saying those are good things but like even that is not presented darkly enough it's presented in this way that's kind of pleasing and aesthetically pleasing and you know I think I yeah I think it's just for for folks who maybe spend a lot of time like thinking about Hollywood marriages especially from that time mm-hmm. like to me that's not that's like pretty typical yes <laughs> for, yeah I for mean like we've... every man who was very powerful like yeah. would have treated his wife that way yeah. at that time if not worse honestly no and I know that people don't want the, the actual dark side because I think that Marilyn biopic last year what is it called Blonde sort of showed maybe oh, a yeah. darker side and that wasn't great I get it but here I didn't feel it was that dark at all no. like throughout this whole thing they are presented as two people in love um and the fact that somebody you know whatever doesn't sleep with you is not but still loves you is not like this big thing it's an experience that a lot of people go through and I didn't find the specificity in this film of presenting this dark Elvis um yeah I think that's more about how people I think it's bizarre that so many people left the movie thinking it was dark because I do think I do think like it paints a very kind of bleak domestic picture but mm-hmm. i don't think it's necessarily darker than baz lerman's elvis actually mm-hmm. because that's like oh yeah you're fucked <laughs> like, yes. like your life is crazy and pretty bad 
You're in um, debt, you're on drugs, you're getting bloated. All of that is in the Baz Luhrmann story. Yeah, this yeah, yeah. man who you trusted really fucked you up and yeah. fucked up your life. Yeah. Um, But this one, like, I don't think the point is to be dark. I think the point is just to kind of say, like, to present the contradictions of their relationship, which is like, it probably shouldn't have happened in the first place mm -hmm. because of their ages but at the same yeah. time like they ended up really cherishing each other in a really sincere way yeah. even though it was never like quite as reciprocal as it should have been or equal as it should have been um so it's it's like strange it's a very strange marriage um and sometimes i think the film does that really well but sometimes it's yeah i just think like that third part the third act where she gets out of it. I was like, how did that happen? <laughs> it happens in like three seconds. Yeah, it just like she just decides one day and you, you're right. Then you ask, well, why didn't you decide three years ago or five years ago? Like, yeah. um, um, but yes, the building of the relationship at the beginning is is the best thing about this movie. The yeah. sort of like this young girl um, falling in love with Elvis and the idea of Elvis and why she would do that, presenting her as isolated in Germany and all of that. And that's, that's the film's strongest um, point. But I also just throughout it, I felt like, is that all there is? I just didn't think any of it was uh, that interesting. And maybe, Maybe it's just not the type of movie I like in the end. Um, it's maybe yeah. too understated for my taste. It may be too sort of gliding. It just glides through. Um, and it didn't, it doesn't elicit any emotions, or it didn't in me at least. And maybe that's yeah. just the way that Coppola directs. Yeah, I think um I think I pretty much agree. I I think I definitely liked it more than you did. But I think that first half is like the perfect summation of all of the themes that she really likes. And so that is kind of why it's so strong. Like, I was surprised by how much I was thinking about the bling ring while I was watching it. Oh, wow. In the beginning. That, this I need to hear. <laughs> because, yeah, I know. I, I know everybody's like a bling ring hater, but I really like bling ring. Um, And I think what that film does really successfully is kind of present why normal kids are so attracted to fame and money and like how kind of tempting that could be mm -hmm. to just like be plucked especially the way that um everything is framed and kind of set the production design of it like the the german world that they live in is so gray everything is so colorless and unattractive and then she mm -hmm. kind of gets plucked out of that world and taken to graceland or like taken to his room where there's like movie posters and like they go to vegas and it's so th like thrilling and she gets to wear these new outfits and all of these things and it's like of course you know what i mean like I think Sofia Coppola is like uniquely set up to understand that dynamic of like what the appeal of the rich and famous is and like mm -hmm. how people get so easily like ensnared by it. Yeah. And so yeah. uh, Bling Wing does that obviously, but mm -hmm. I think this, this does it really well in a kind of, in a different way that, than Marie Antoinette does because Marie Antoinette like also came from that world. So it yeah. didn't, wasn't the same exactly.
Um, so I liked that aspect of it. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, I think those Vegas scenes are very memorable. Also memorable are the scenes where they basically do the Sofia Coppola version of the um, the shop and model montage where, where yeah. they go to stores and he makes her put on clothes and then he approves or disapproves. And I think the way that she's she's costumed, not just what she's wearing, but also the hair, which is Priscilla's hair, the high sort of mm-hmm. hair really high on her head. And the yeah. way he's the actor, Jacob Alrodi, so much taller than Priscilla Kaylee yeah. Spaney, is just makes him like it's as if he's playing with a doll, especially in those scenes. And yeah. that sort of just the the interaction, the physical interaction between them, not anything they were doing, but just their physical size. Um, yeah. At that point, she looked like a little doll who has too much hair for her frame and wearing, you know, clothes that are maybe too big or too sophisticated. She even says that for her. And then he is just sort of like the Pygmalion um, of who's trying to mold her into what he wants. Um, And those scenes I thought were pretty great. Yeah. What did you think of the performances in general? I mean, the performances were fine. It's like it's um, it's a Coppola directed performances where it's it's about being still and it's about posing um, it's about how you pose in the frame as opposed to showing emotion, which is fine. It fits her aesthetic. But I also just, uh, they left me, both of them left me very cold. Like, um, I didn't think Elrodi was a great Elvis, especially coming after Austin Butler, who I loved. And I know, but it's a completely different take. And I think his performance fits the Sofia Coppola, sort of what she mm-hmm. wants from her actors. Like he was um, a good director's vessel to tell this story, with his physicality, with the way he stands and moves in the frame. And that's all she asks of her actors. The same with Kaylee Spaney. Again, it's very understated. Um, And, you know, Priscilla, like Elvis and Priscilla are these legendary um, people in history, right? Like we Mm -hmm. all have ideas about them. We've all seen them. And I just don't think they got the legendary part, but I don't think that's what they were going for anyway. They were just giving us the confused teenage girl, and the slightly smarmy man she met. Yeah, exactly. Well, that's kind of what I was talking about before, where you kind of like, you get a version of the story, but the historical significance of the story is so muted mm-hmm. with her retellings of it. Um, Yeah, I kind of agree. I actually think I prefer this Elvis to Baz Luhrmann, but I think we had maybe disagreed about <laughs> that film generally the first yeah. time we both saw it. But um. Yes, I think what I liked about Jacob El- Elordi is that how you say oh, that? Oh, it's not Elordi. Elordi. Okay, I don't Elor- know. I actually don't. <laughs> I... I think what you said is better than what is see sounds uh more correct than what I said. <laughs> well, Jacob, our friend, our good old pal Jake. What I loved about him, I just think it's a good it's a good argument for like treating these characters as just characters as opposed to like Mm -hmm. like kind of going down the austin butler which i think was like a truly cartoonish it was not it had no no no, i don't mean his performance was but i mean like the way that he sold his performance was like so cartoonish and like i changed my voice and like all of that kind of shit like like there's just the way that it kind of ballooned out into this yeah he, he like comes Austin from the Gaga school of press yes 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 uh, press. exactly 
exactly yeah so like i think it's a good counterpoint to that of just like i'm gonna treat this person as a person Mm -hmm. um and i liked what he said in the press conference where he was like i'm using this voice with you like in this press conference this isn't how i talk to people in real life and like that's what i wanted to try and figure out with elvis Mm. it's like a fine performance but i like that approach you know what i mean Mm -hmm. yes and then with kaylee spaney i think like she kind of has a little bit of a patty duke thing going on where i'm like i think you just kind of always will look a little younger than you are Mm -hmm. she looks 12 like when the movie starts she looks 12 even though i think she's 25 or something like that yeah she yeah she's i think yeah i think she's like 24 or 25 but she does look 14 and i think she looks 14 for most of the film Mm-hmm. Yeah. So it's it's like I think that kind of doesn't help the problem that was already in the script, which is her like transformation into adult Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cause she never does. She never becomes adult Priscilla, not exactly anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I do. Okay, we should talk about like what this film looks like though, because I saw it twice. I saw it once with you. And then I saw the press screening of it like a week later. Mm -hmm. And the second time I was like, I want all of 70s Priscilla's outfits. (laughs) They're so (laughs) cute. I was so obsessed with them. Um, But I think the film looks gorgeous. Mm -hmm. What did you have any takeaways? Um, I agree. The costumes are all great. Elvis looks, his costumes are very historically accurate like you can tell it's Elvis just by his costumes and his family's costumes and then of course Priscilla as the star of the film all her costumes are fabulous I think the art direction was like maybe not that great I felt I didn't feel the majesty of Graceland but also I think the film is trying to present Graceland as a prison so maybe that's why the art direction was a little bit understated like the performances um because Elvis kind of led a gaudy sort of like glitz life and it was all about showing his wealth as I understand him so I didn't feel that at all um in the odd direction especially of Graceland have you Um, been to Graceland I haven't been there just no but just pictures and stuff (laughs) like that and so Baz Luhrmann's virgin (laughs) that's right that's right um I yeah um I think there are moments where you can kind of tell it's like they had 30 days to shoot this in a warehouse in Toronto. Yeah. Yes. It, Cause like, yeah, there are, I think it shows two rooms mm-hmm. in Graceland. Maybe. You yeah. Know? Yeah. Just the dining room and their bedroom. I think that's it. <laughs> yeah. And like where they watch TV, I guess. Um but also that, you know, somebody, I'm sure somebody listening to this is saying, what are you guys, what are you guys talking about? She meant to do that because it's, she's, it's claustrophobic for her. That's why. It is. Yeah. Yeah. Like it, <laughs> that is the point of the film. Yeah. That is the point of the film. Yeah. Um, But I don't know. I think there are some shots that like evoke that really well and are like really creative. Like, do you remember the one where she's sitting or she's standing in the window and it kind of pulls back. It does like a, a Robert Altman zoom out. Mm-hmm. I loved that shot. I yeah, that was really nice. Yeah, there were a lot of amazing shots. I liked also the the scene after she graduates where she tells him she can't come into the graduation mm-hmm. uh, because he will um, 
steal attention and will be about him and not about the people graduating. And then Coppola never even goes into the graduation. She follows Elvis, who's standing outside yeah. in his car with his pals and how everybody comes to him, including all the nuns who are just so excited to see him. And I thought that the composition of that scene with him in the center of it and Priscilla, who is supposedly that's her day, is kind of yeah. sidelined. Um, I saw just the composition and the framing of the actors and the way all of that shot was just, it told the whole story in that one scene. And I'm like, yeah. all right, I get it. But did we need another, I don't know how long this movie is. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's something that I found like both interesting, frustrating, and like fast, I don't know, fascinating about this movie. It's like, this is the most complete version of Priscilla's side of the story that has probably been told like in a film. Mm-hmm. And so in some ways, like it is arguably like it's about Priscilla, but at the same time, it's sort of like not because like everything around her or like everything about her revolves around Elvis. Like mm-hmm. I can't tell you one thing that Priscilla is personally interested in besides other Elvis. than Elvis after watching this film. Totally. I we guess don't, karate, we... but like yeah. that's not in it that much. No, not at all. Also, it comes out of nowhere. You're like, she never even mentioned karate in her life. What's going on? Which like in the book, she talks about it all the time because Elvis did karate. Elvis was obsessed with it. The only reason she started doing it was because he did it. Yeah. And Um, then she just like took off with it. But yeah, like I I found that annoying because I was just kind of like, I lose track of this woman so fast. And I I realized like that is part of the point. But like it is so essential to the end of the film to like... Mm -hmm give her something you know Mm -hmm. and that's back to my point that i started this podcast with which is young people's lives are inherently not that interesting because they don't (laughs) they haven't lived much she was 14 15 when she met elvis so she really doesn't know much and to try and tell a story about her i just don't think is that interesting like i would have loved to see something of like the older priscilla like, you know, you know, I don't want to see actress Priscilla. Yes. She's like on soaps and stuff. I would think yes. that would have been fun. Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, an older Priscilla reflecting on the younger Priscilla and sort of like the juxtaposition of like what she became versus what she was, because what she was. Yes, it's interesting only because Elvis was in it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, basically. So, yeah, I don't know. I liked the movie a lot. I love the soundtrack. I think this is my favorite Sofia Coppola soundtrack. Mm. Are you doing the the Aretha Franklin thing of beautiful gowns, beautiful gowns? I love the soundtrack. <laughs> <laughs> no, I wouldn't say I'm doing that. I I feel like I've been very critical of this film, but it's only because I've spent literally two weeks like thinking about it. Yeah. <laughs> um. So. So, so tell me about off. the soundtrack and what what you liked about it. I interrupted you. Oh. Um. Well, first of all, I'm like a vintage music girly, you know. Yes. I love I love 50s music, I love 60s music. Um, and that's not something I think Sofia Coppola is necessarily like interested in when I saw her talk about this at the Strand. Uh-huh. She was she was saying basically like I don't really I don't really like that music. I find a lot of it really corny. So I think she did a really good job of finding either covers of 50 songs that have a little more 
mm-hmm. of a modern feel and kind of like update the sound a little bit um or finding songs that like aren't too childish i guess Mm -hmm. so i think it's just a really nice mix of like adult sounding but kind of youthful feeling Mm -hmm. songs um with a little bit of a vintage flair which i really like so um Yeah. yeah it was a good mix to me well, that's cool. Yeah. Yeah. I think the soundtrack was good. Um, so let's talk about the O word, the Oscars. Um, mm-hmm. Sofia Coppola is an Oscar winner. She won mm-hmm. for the screenplay of Lost in Translation. Um, Marie Antoinette won Best Costumes. But I think that's the end of the story of Coppola and Oscars. Um, her last few movies haven't been nominated for anything. And I think this movie is going to continue that. Yes, the Academy loves biopic. They love Elvis. But I just don't think this movie is going to get any Oscar nominations. I think it me- has a couple in it. All right. Tell me. I think I think it could get a costume nomination. Mm-hmm. I think it could get an adapted screenplay nomination. I don't think it should win. But Definitely I think it could not. get one. Yeah. Um, I think... I don't I'm curious to see how things shape out shake out with the actresses but like I mean I didn't love her performance mm-hmm. but I could see people liking it I think it was like perfectly suited to the film and like good but I, I wasn't like you know yeah. we love actressing and that yeah. wasn't actressing not at all and I think I just don't see this performance you know when emma stone is doing all that and lily gladstone is a in a scorsese movie well your question was nominations i wasn't winning no but even nominations (laughs) i just think there is so many people in best actress that have a better chance than her and it benning is playing a tough broad who swims um you know anjani ellis is in origin um Sandra Huller is there with Anatomy of a Fall like there's just so much actressing being done the most actressing is done by Emma Stone and that's why she is the front runner because she does she's in every scene and she does she talks and she walks she does it all so that's textbook thing and then you know Lily Gladstone has the narrative. Another narrative is for Annette, who's never won. I just don't see Kaylee Spaney coming in and being like, oh, I just have a lots of big hair on my head and wearing these high heels and vote for me. Oh I don't just- my God. <laughs> the disrespect. <laughs> no, but it's true. I think you're right. Um, yeah. I could see it happening. Like, I guess what I'm saying is I could see it happening. I could see it not happening. Yes. Yeah. Um. Because, yes, it is a strong year, as we've said in virtually every recent episode. Yeah. So that's exciting. Um, I think right now, what would I say? I haven't seen Nyad yet or Poor Things, but like Poor Things seems like a shoe in. Mm-hmm. Lily Gladstone yeah. seems like a shoe in. Yeah. Sandra Huller, I'm really hoping. Sandra Huller, if she wins a couple of critics awards, she'll be in. I think she's in. Yeah. Um, um 
Yeah. Is and, Nyad and, like really good? I, I think um, I haven't seen Nyad yet, even though it did play at New Fest where I work, but <laughs> that was one of the very few films that played at New Fest that I haven't seen. Um, but yeah, I um, I haven't seen it, but I just think the, like Annette Benning, you know, mm-hmm. Grand Dame of American cinema never won an Oscar. Like that's like, that's a lot Dude, there. Okay. But if, if Annette Benning won for Nyad over Lily Gladstone mm. or or Sandra Holler, I would be mad. Well, you haven't seen it. Maybe you're gonna love it. Maybe it's gonna be your favorite performance. <laughs> <sighs> okay. Uh, and we have you I know... will leave myself open to that possibility, but let's just say I'm not confident about that being the case. Yeah. <laughs> and, you know, we haven't even talked about Margot Robbie, who is in the biggest movie of That's the year. That's true. That's true. Or Carrie Mulligan, who, have a, who has a textbook Oscar winning performance and movie. Oh, my God. So, yeah, I forgot about that film. Yeah. So all of these Which people. Which says I, a lot, by the way. Preview yeah. for our Maestro episode. Yeah. All of those people, I think, are ahead of Kaylee Spaney. So, I mean, yeah. who knows? But maybe she'll win something like, I don't know, the Gossams or something like that. And that would be Well, so- when we left the film i think i said to you right away i'm surprised that she won Mm -hmm. the volpe cup yes and i told you she won because emma stone couldn't win because (laughs) poor things won the golden line and they can't give it golden line and best actress yeah so So, there's that yeah but they can do it at the oscars you can win more than one oscar (laughs) yeah that's true um, or be nominated for more than one Oscar. But anyway, yeah. The, the Though I've had a lot of criticisms of this movie, I still generally really liked it. Mm-hmm. And I also have liked most of what I've seen this year, and I'm very happy and excited about that. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely better than anything we've seen um, the last two months, I would say, even though I'm not like a big fan of it or anything. Go see Priscilla. I think it's opening wide on Friday. Um, and then let us know what you thought about it. And yep. um, until next time, you can find us on Twitter and Instagram at I am Picture Show. I am on Twitter at M-E underscore says on an Instagram at Mortada underscore E. And I am BK Rewind on Twitter, BK underscore Rewind on Instagram, and Be Kind Rewind on YouTube. And don't forget to read Izzy's fabulous article about Priscilla. We'll link it in the notes of the of the program. Yeah, read it. Get a lot of clicks. So then they're like, oh, <laughs> oh, we're, we'll work with you again. <laughs> yes, let's all do that. Read clicks. Yeah. <laughs>